this is Thank You Heartbreak. Hi, everyone. I'm Chelsea Lee Trescott. As a breakup coach, relationship advice columnist, and the founder of Break Upward, Chelsea is passionate about human beings and their stories. She talks to people about their journeys in love, growth, heartbreak, revelations, and every wound and lesson along the way. This podcast shines a light on heartbreak, showing you that the most crushing experiences are also your greatest opportunity to become meaningful, relatable human beings. Now, let's get to the heart of it. Hi, everyone. This is Chelsea Lee Truscott, breakup coach and podcast host of Thank You Heartbreak. And this is episode 228 with Tony Blankenship. Tony is the author of Self-Help Sucks, the anti-self-help guide to inner peace and contentment. Now, a running joke, I don't know if it's really a joke, but I say that someone is going to one day find me buried underneath a pile of self-help books. So here we go. Here's another one, though. This is the anti-self-help book. I want to tell you a little bit about it before we get into this conversation. The question that self-help sucks starts out with is, are harmful habits and addictions ruling your life, no matter how hard you try to control them? For those who've read every self-help book out there with no results comes the anti-self-help book that will finally allow you to affect real and lasting change. Because while self-help sucks, claiming the aid of a higher power and the support of others can lead you to recovery, inner peace, Contentment and Freedom from Destructive Behavior, and author Tony Blankenship shows you how. A six-part program based on the principles of the original, highly successful 12-step program, Self-Help Sucks is filled with exercises, meditations, prayers, examples, and experiences from the author's life, which lay the groundwork and provide rules for healthy daily living. Break free once and for all from the addictive behaviors that are hurting you and your loved ones with this unique one-of-a-kind guide to living your best life. Now, this is not about sobriety. It's not about grabbing you by the ankles and tossing you into a 12-step program. Not at all. It is about spirituality, really. And one of my favorite parts of this conversation is when Tony and I speak about chasing after the unavailable partner. Have you been there? Jesus, I believe I have. So as always, thank you for being here and spending your time with us. And it would mean the absolute world to me if you would rate and or review this podcast. It really goes a long way to legitimize me. And thank you, Heartbreak. So thank you for listening and keeping my dream alive. I'm in New York City. Manhattan. Manhattan. Do you know Webster Hall? I've been to Manhattan twice. I don't really know my way around well enough. No. East Village. East Village. Yeah, I like it there. I mean, I wouldn't want to live there, but I like it. It's nice. It's cool. It's fun to visit. Lots to do. What about you as a punk rocker? Like, did you ever explore that in New York City? I wish. No, no. I don't even know. I should I should eliminate that off of my bio. I mean, it should be like, yeah, I mean, that that was a long time ago. <laughs> a long time ago. If you identify as a punk rocker, what are you? 
Well, I mean, what's that mean? That means that I, you know, was had enough of a childhood to by the time I was a teenager, I decided to shave my head and wear combat boots and suspenders and, you know, get in mosh pits and be angry about, you know, our president and, you know, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> angry about, you know, angry about that stuff. And just, I mean, I just think I was angry and, you know, it was more just about like, you know, back then, I mean, even at my age, we were talking, I was a teenager in the eighties. So like you couldn't walk down the street with blue hair. You'd get in a fight. <laughs> you were like, walk, you know, like these construction workers would want to fight you or you you get pulled over by the police. You couldn't, but did uh, you love that? Did you love that sort of attention at that time? I loved it. I loved attention. I mean, I, didn't, I don't think it mattered what kind of attention I got. I had blue hair too back in the day. And it was like a private school and they, they made an exception for me. And I fed off of being the exception and playing with people's thoughts about me. Yeah, we definitely have much different backgrounds, but yeah, I was the opposite <laughs> end of the private school and I was in foster homes and you were in private school. So I there mean, like go. there's, you know, like the spectrum of, yeah, I like the attention. I like the, uh, I mean, I was on the news cause I got like this scar on my face. I got beat up in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and I got all these scars on my face and I was like, you know, these people did this to me and I like the attention for sure. And that's probably not a good thing, but. Mm. It is what it is. What it, and here I am, like trying to get some more attention for something else. Right? Hey, hey. You and I both. You and I both. Right. Right. Um, right. But now we're trying to help other people. Yeah. As well. So you know they say that anger is sadness turned outward. Do I think that? Well, I've heard that. I've heard that said. Anger is sadness turned outward. Yeah. No, I think anger is fear. That's what mm. I think. Anger is fear. Mm. I mean, it's all fear. Anytime I get angry, it's because I'm afraid. I don't think that it's uh, the sadness. It can, it can come from that. But I think ultimately it's about fear. And uh, mm. if I get sad about whatever it is, then I get afraid, right? And then I react to that fear from through anger. Mm. And I think that's why I was so angry. I mean, you know, my anger came from that fear of not being good enough. Like, so I'm not good enough. I have this, you know, very dramatic, traumatic, you know, childhood. And then so I like the anger, I was afraid I wasn't good enough. And so because of that fear, it came out as like, oh, I'm angry and I want to fight and I want to, you know, do all these things. And But all of that just came from fear. And even today, when I get afraid, I, mean, I had an interaction just recently with my wife. I was afraid about something. And my reaction is, is to get angry about that fear. Right. It's not about her. Right. <laughs> That's not, that just my own opinion for myself. Um, so did you feel like any of the I'm not good enough was like tied to that? How did be in foster homes influence that concept? Oh, no. That was long before that. Oh, no. Really? No. I mean, that, that, the, no. That was... Long before that, I mean, there's so many events that happened up to that that led to that belief, right? And I don't know if those things had not happened. I mean, there's people that had much, 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 much better childhoods than I did and still have that same belief, that same belief system, that same, like, there's something wrong with me and I have Mm -hmm. to fix what's wrong with me. And I look outside of me to try to get that to happen when by whatever that is, clothes, cars, men, women, money, 
jobs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the trick is that none of those things work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yet I keep chasing the wheel over and over again until maybe I have this realization of like, I keep fantasizing about buying a new car. I want to buy a new car. There's nothing wrong with my car. My car's fine. Right. I want to buy this new car and I want a plug-in hybrid and I want a high-end, you know, you know, I want a BMW or something like that. Like I want a nice car and, you know, but I've been, I was just in a car with my friend, my good friend just bought herself this wonderful Volvo plug-in hybrid Volvo X, you know, whatever it was, XC60, it's gorgeous and nice leather seats. And I'm sitting in there and I'm like, this doesn't feel any different than my car, mm-hmm. but it's like, I got this story that if I get this, then I'll finally feel what I need to feel. And do you know who Stuart, Stuart Wilde was? Stuart, no. Stuart Wilde's a writer and he uh, he wrote something to the effect of our ego keeps telling us that we need these new things, like whatever, this new accomplishment, this new car, this new job, this new, you know, if I get 10,000 people listening to my podcast, you know, then I'll finally feel whatever it is, right? Yet when we finally get those things, whatever that is, the car, the podcast, the attention, if I sell this many books and if this many people come to my speaking event. When I finally get that, our ego just says, oh, that was nice. Now I got to get that. But that wasn't, that doesn't, that isn't right. I need to do this now. Or in a way, in a way that didn't change anything. (laughs) Right. Well, right. That doesn't, I still don't feel, it still doesn't change how I feel. And then my ego will tell me, you got the BMW. Now you got to go to Tahiti, you know, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. Now you have to do what the BMW drivers do. So you have to go (laughs) to another thing that those people do. This has been the story of my life. And it's what it is. It's forever until you just keep chasing that tail and that story over and over and over again, until finally the day comes, either you go, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not going to believe it. I'm not going to believe the story because I know that I've had enough new cars to know when I get this new car, it's not going to be it or enough new bicycles or enough new relationships or whatever it is, right? It's not going to do it. It's not the thing. And sometimes I'm so in tune with it that I can see it and I cannot react. I cannot do it, right? I can go, yeah, it's, that's just the thing again. It's just the blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Oh, get this and do this and be that. But it's not, none of it's true, right? You ever mm-hmm. see the movie? There's a movie uh, by the, I can't remember the director. I could look it up on my phone, but he wrote it. He wrote it and did a movie called I Am. You see the movie? It's fantastic. Oh, wait, wait, wait. My friend dated the guy and I went to the premiere. What is his name? I, I think that that's it. He did all the Ace Ventura movies. Uh, hold on. I'm going to look it up, director. Oh, I remember this. Uh, he has like long right. hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Long curly hair. Yeah, yeah. Curly. Great guy. Ken, Tom, Tom, Tom Shidak, whatever. So Tom, yes. yeah, Tom's this guy. Yes. He had like he had all these mansions and he had houses all over the world and a private plane and a Mercedes. And he got in this big, he's a cyclist in this big bicycle accident and ends up in the hospital. And he has this realization that it's how miserable he is, how mm. unhappy he is. He has these homies, multi-million dollar homes that he only goes to twice a year. You know, he spends two days a year in or whatever. He's got anything money can buy and he's unhappy. And he starts asking these questions like, what's wrong? Like, what's the problem? I have everything I could ever want. Why am I, what is wrong? And then that realization is that I am what's wrong. Mm. He sold all this stuff. 
a lot of it. He sold all his stuff. He got bought like a trailer on the beat, like a nice trailer. I mean, get it, you know. <laughs> still had some bells and whistles. <laughs> like an airstream. He probably write, still rides a very nice bicycle because that's, you know, we're bicyclists. We have to have a nice bicycle. You know, and he works for like, he. I think he decided to only work for whatever the union says you have to get to direct a movie, which is like a quarter of a million dollars. Like, oh, that's rough. But, you know, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, but it's like this thing of like, well, he had everything. He had everything. And he still was like, yeah, you know what? That's, you know, Jim Carrey said the same thing. I, I hope everybody can be rich and famous to realize that that's not the answer. Yeah. Right. Well, I talk about how my dad, he came up after his family. We lived in a nice house, had, you know, the country club, the Mercedes, all the things. But he would take us almost every night. We would go for drives to where he used to come from and to the simple life. And we would just look at these simpler lives, these smaller homes. And it's almost like he was nostalgic always and yearning to go backwards. Yeah, it's interesting that money is... You know, some, I mean, Tom said this in his movie is that, that, you know, some, some cultures believe that the accumulation of wealth is in fact a mental illness, right? right? Don't get me wrong. Like I want people to buy my book, please. I mean, I need to support my family. It's not like my, I'd still have that desire of like, yeah, I want to do this thing. But at some point you're like, wow, is more going to really make me feel better or be better or be a better person, right? Like it's, it's, uh. At some point, once your needs are met and you can, you know, travel once a year or whatever, you know, like, is more going to make you better? Like, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, that's not, has nothing to do with heartbreak. <laughs> I think it does though. For me, I mean, this is kind of, this is what my thesis was about when I was an undergrad. It was the heartbreak of the chase, the heartbreak of the gap between where I am and where I think I need to be in the endless quest for that and getting that, getting that, that relationship, getting that degree, getting the next, uh, you know, prescription of Adderall, getting the next thing that that was always going to be enough for me. And it never lasted. The high never lasted. And that was always the scariest thing because when things don't work, what do you do? You have to start to search for equanimity. What does that mean? Equanimity is this place of neutrality, right? It's the place of not getting too high and not getting too low and not mm. reacting to the highs and lows, right? That's equanimity. Equanimity is like being in the middle of when things are not going your way of going like, yeah, you know what? Things aren't really going right right now, but I know I'm okay. And when things are going really well, going, yeah, you know what? Things are going really well right now. And, uh, but either way, I'm just, I'm okay, right? Either way, I'm, I'm good, right? That I'm good with whatever's happening right now and being present in that moment of even when you're in the heartbreak, whatever that heartbreak is of being in that moment and going, you know, part of the, not, not to be like, Oh, this is part about what my book's about. I mean, that's part of the thing of like, let's look at ourselves and what my responsibility is, right? Let's look at my own side of the street, right? Cause I can blame everybody else, but there's a common denominator in all of those relationships, right? They're all, it's all me. Mm -hmm. It's not them. Mm -hmm. As long as it's them, you're never going to get better. Right. You're never going to get well as long as you're a victim. You'll always, it'll always be their fault. And you'll just keep getting the same people showing up in your life over and over and over until you fix yourself. Right. Until, and you can't. And, and that's even the bigger trick is the, the you know, the self-help, you know, 
kind of hook is that we get painted this picture that we can somehow do it. Like I could just fix myself yeah. and I could just change my programming or something. That just isn't my experience. What has the experience been? So if it's not that, if you can't just fix yourself, if you alone can't fix yourself, but you can take responsibility. Yeah, I have to take responsibility. I mean, first I have to be able to see and whatever gets me to the place to see you know, where I am to blame or where my responsibility is and all of it, right? Then fixing what I can, you know, because it's not like I don't believe we're completely powerless. I mean, I can do some stuff. Right, right. And then seeing the things that I can't do. And then, you know, for me, I adopted this great, I mean, I, I'm real lucky, right? Because I have this life, I have this spiritual program that I get to rely on that, and it's not the program per se that I rely on. I mean, more, I'm more, it's more like a higher power. It's more like a, the power of the universe that I get to rely on. And that thing either can fix me or it can direct me to the people that have the, um, you know, training or the whatever to help me. Right. Mm. And that's, and more, I mean, and I think the biggest, and I don't know if I wrote this in the in your thing, is that the biggest heartbreak, my biggest heartbreak, over and over and over and over, Chelsea, has been that there's so many times in my life that my heart will say, do this, go there, mm-hmm. trust this, mm-hmm. go to them, ask them for help. Mm-hmm. And I go, nah, that can't be true. No. I got it. I'm good. I'm just going to do my thing or whatever it is. And I ignore it. Mm. And over and over again, I'm re- it just, it showed that I, I should have listened to myself, to my heart. I should have just, right. I should have listened to the voice that said, you know what? That person's wrong for you or that job's not right for you or whatever. And I don't listen and I ignore it. Or go ask that person for help. You know you got this trauma. Like, get some help, man. I'm like, nah, nah, I'm good. Or whatever, right? Whatever you tell yourself. And I ignore it. And then the con- whatever the consequences are, <laughs> whatever those are, are what they are. It's also like you're programming this belief that you can't help yourself and that you have to go seek counsel and everyone else. I remember the smallest voice for me would just be like, Chelsea, just walk two blocks longer for yourself. And I couldn't listen. It would be just like, go ask the, you know, the person giving you coffee for change so you can do your laundry. And I'm like, I don't want to bother them asking for change. And I would never help myself. I would never just see if the things I was hearing from within could help me. You know, we go and we ask everyone else for their take on it, where it's like, why not just see? I mean, because it is so much easier. If the answer lies within, how much easier is our life? I think so. I mean, I think so. I think, again, for me, it's about being in tune with, you know, the universe or the power or whatever. And I have to, I personally have to have some sort of way to get plugged into that power. And the more I get plugged in, Mm -hmm. the clearer the voice becomes. And the more I rely on that intuitive voice, right? The, the, The clearer the channel gets, right? And the less I can get caught up in the chatter of the the story, whatever story that is, right? You know, they mean this and they did that, you know, like whatever that story goes, 
<laughs> who knows? Because none of it's, I don't know if any of it's really true. I mean, that's what you say in your book, that it's like never true. The stories we spin. Did you read it? Yeah. You read the book? Yes. Oh, that's nice. And when I, when I saw the cover of the book, I was like, do I have this book? It looks like a book that you would have. Like, if anyone's like a badass, like anti some someone thing, we should have your book. It was so weird. I felt like I had already owned it, but no, I read it. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. So for me, the thing is that I don't, a lot of the things that I tell myself are stories and I just, I can't, you know, I gotta be like, what's the truth? Do I know the truth? And a lot of times I don't. And, uh, <laughs> I, I read something really interesting interesting this weekend. And because part of the stories I spin are the intentions someone else has, right? That's part of the stories I'm realizing. And it said something about like focused less on the intentions and focused on like the repeated behavior and the impact it has on you. I was like, oh my God, if I stopped providing a story for their behavior and just focused on how I'm impacted by it, that would be a boundary. Yeah. How does that make me feel? What is it doing to me rather than looking at why is someone doing this? What's going on in their life, right? I mean, I would challenge you to the degree of even telling you, you probably don't even know half the time why you do what you do. How are you going to know why they do what they do? Because I try, <laughs> I, feel like so, I try to be so invested in why I do what I do. I do. I really try to be so invested. And so I'm always looking at my intentions for things. Yeah, I'm curious to know what those are. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like if we're like, let's get real, okay? Let's get real on the Heartbreak Podcast. And like, um, I turned into the podcaster and be like, okay, Chelsea, like, what do you think those really are? And I mean, I I hate to tell you what I think mine are. I just wrote it like a little thing, like a media request for the New York Times, which I don't know if I'll get in, you know, whatever. But Incredible. I wrote the thing anyway, and. I forget what it was talking about. It was something about falling out of love, right? Like oh. falling out of love. And have you ever intentionally tried to fall out of love? And mm. All this stuff. And I just was like, I sat with myself and I just got really honest in this thing and answering these questions. And I'm I like, I don't know where it's obviously I'm not trying to become popular or famous, but like you, you know what I you know what I said? What the biggest, the biggest experience I've had of falling out of love. I was trying to fall out of love with myself. I'm just so in love with myself. I mean, like myself, like that, like the ego self, right? The, you know, like Mr. I got to get all the attention self, Mr. You know, uh, I need things to look a certain way self, right? Like that, mm -hmm. that I want to fall in love with that. You want to fall out of love with that side of yourself exhausting <laughs> it's like i'm so tired just trying to arrange life to suit me and to fit you know fit my agendas and right what is the alternative of that if that all stops and you fall out of love and you stop having this relationship with that side of yourself what does life begin to look like oh god i wish i knew because i haven't gotten there yet but uh it's it seems like true like when you watch people like the dalai lama Right. And you watch people like, you know, yeah. him. you know, I mean, there's like a few people like that that are out there. Right. And even then, right. It's enlightened self-interest. Right. And to some degree, it's another performance art piece. 
right, 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 right. It's yeah. All, yeah. So you, you know, even like the, you know, the, the Joel Steen, right? Like Joel Steen's not doing it for, you know, to help people. Sorry, Joel Steen. I hope he doesn't hear this podcast, but you know, like you're like, you're doing it for the book sales, man. You're doing it for the money. Right? That glow is not just coming from helping people. <laughs> right. Have you ever seen him in person? Yeah, no, it's thank you. No, I'm it's sure it's great. great. God bless him, man. You know, whatever. <laughs> I just wonder, though, is it the next fantasy? Is it the next fantasy thinking that once I get to needing nothing, once I get to this place where, you know, I'm no longer feeding my ego, things will be perfect. Is that just another level of the fantasy? We shouldn't talk about people. I mean, it's like talk about us, you know, but. Oh, that's right. You're so you're so worried about gossip. I've read your book. You, you don't think it's good. You're right. Good to catch yourself. Uh, hold on a second. I want to look for something just real quick. Okay, can I read this real quick out loud? Yeah, of course, of course. Right, Stuart Wilde, ready? Okay, so remember, most of the things you think you need are ego trips designed to bolster your image or your perception of security. Mm-hmm. You'll waste a lot of energy satisfying your ego only to find that as soon as it's got what it wants, it ignores all your efforts and promptly nails another list of demands on your forehead. <laughs> the ego will always try to force you to slay for its vision. Said, I wouldn't stand for that BS if I were you. And that's Stuart Wilde. I don't know where, you know, I don't know how I got that, but it was, it was great. Oh my God. I'm going to write him down. Well, right. Yeah. Gossip. Oh yeah. Gossip, man. That stuff's that is so bad. Uh, I, I just do not. And I do it. Like, that's the thing. Like, I don't want to do it. It's like at the forefront of my mind. It's at the like one of my core principles in my life is to not gossip or engage in gossip. Uh, and that means as soon as someone says, Hey, do you know what I heard? Like, you're like, yeah, you know what? I don't, I gotta go. I can't, I don't want to participate in this. Right. And yet I still, even though I have that line in the sand, right. I, you know, getting into the work life situation and people are like, Oh, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, you know, I just get hooked sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, and I'm like, Oh, tell me more. I want to hear it. Right. And so, yeah, but it's, it's really not, not healthy for me. Low vibes, low vibes. That does not make me feel good. I did want to hear more from you though, about why self-help sucks. <laughs> why self-help sucks. That's your whole premise. Yeah. I'll just say that I, in the beginning of my marketing campaign, I wanted to be this like anti-self-help guy, right. the anti-self-help guy, but those self-help guys are, you know, doing great. <laughs> <laughs> People are lining up and going to the conventions uh, or whatever. And, you know, it's like kind of was what I thought for myself is I want to be this, you know, I like speaking and. I like, you know, I like, I want to help people. I like helping people. It's good. Uh, It's good for me, but why I think for me, and I I don't know, I don't want to speak for anyone else. Like, that's the other thing. It's like, I I mean, a lot of people do, but I'm going to just speak for myself and just say for myself, I found myself in a program, in a 12 step program. And I'm not here to like, you know, you can adopt the 12 steps as a spiritual life in your life without being in a 12 step program. I want to tell you that's absolutely possible to do. And I think a lot of people could benefit from it, but as a person who's in a 12 step program, I'm not going to tell you which one, because that's anonymous, right? As a person who's in a 12 step program, we're not trying to get new members. It's not like we're out, you know, trying to like on a membership drive, like we're not out trying to like, you're not getting commission. I don't get like a, yeah, I don't get a parent. Yeah. I don't get a commission if we get more people. It's kind of crazy because you guys would be making a lot of money. That's the wild part. Right, right, right. But 
here's here's my experience, right? So what I mean by self self help sucks is that my experience is that I came to a place in my life in in a program. How old are you, by the way, when you go when you get into this? How old are you? I'm 34. You're a baby. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I'm 51. Uh-huh. And uh, with a with a five year old daughter. Oh, uh, there you nice. go. No, but when you when you got sober, how old were you? Oh, I was. Uh, did I say I was sober? I didn't say that. Did I say that? Oh. I said I was in a twelve step program. You just assumed. I assumed this whole time that. But you're right. Maybe the book never said you were sober. Doesn't say anything about that, right? Mm. Yeah. Mm. You made an assumption. I'm full of them. I was 28 almost. I was right before my 28th, like 11 days before my 28th birthday. So anyway, so I came, so I'm in this program, I'm doing this thing and I kept having this behavior show up and, um, that this one, the one thing that not, and there's several things that this book could address. One that I specifically focused on in this book was that I kept having this fatal attraction. I love unavailable women. I love them. I, I, I will go into a room and I will find the prettiest lesbian there and I will go after her. You did marry someone that was a lesbian that told you. Yeah. I married someone who was and I like, listen, she's great. And this isn't about back banging on her. Like she's awesome. And her life is great without me, but I wanted kids and she hated kids and didn't. Yeah, right. kids. And yet, and I knew that I knew that in my heart yet. I still like, you know, I mean, I married her, bought a house, right? And I, I literally, this is true. It's in the book. Like I literally asked, I had a, a girlfriend who was a lesbian. I was the first man she was ever with. Like she, like she didn't like guys, but I like, you know, <laughs> I mean, I went after her and like asked her to marry me. Like it was like that. Level of denial. That's the kind of thing that I'm talking about. And I would, I mean, I knew like, you know, these, like something would, we would break up and I knew I'm like, man, I keep doing this. I keep going after these people that are just not right for me. Like I yeah. chase them, I chase them down across, I mean, I'll spot them across the room and go after them. And, uh, and I knew that I did it. I knew yeah. it and I, and I wanted to stop it and I tried to stop it. And I read self-help books and I did mantras and I, you know, I did these things, like all these methods, right? And none of them worked. None of them, right? I would yet one more time find myself in, you know, in a situation with the same person, right? That's what I said to you, right? I said that earlier, right? You know, until you fix your, until you're, you fix yourself, and I say fix yourself like you can fix yourself, but that's whatever, whatever other way you could say it. Until your inside gets fixed, right? You're going to keep bringing the same people into your life over and over, right? You're just going to keep doing it. And until that gets fixed, then nothing's going to change. And so what I decided to do, and maybe it was, you know, said to me by some higher purpose, Hey man, why don't you work the steps? Why don't you work the steps on this thing? Right. Mm -hmm. This like I'm powerless over being attracted to unavailable people, uh, you know, Finding wow. turning life over a power greater than yourself, doing an inventory, uh, doing a fist step, you know, making amends, and mm-hmm. you know, and, and then create ha- and then helping other people. Right? I'm lucky. I'm in a twelve step program. I get to help people all the time. Right? So I'm I'm lucky in the sense that I get to do that. How do you do that as a normal person? And so self help sucks in the sense that I could not on my own change myself. I could right. not 
I could not uh, go to a weekend conference. And I mean, I love some of those people, those figures, like I'm just, I look up to them. Like I, I look up to guys like, you know, Tony Robbins, like who's just created this himself and created these and helps a lot of, you know, helps a lot of people. Right. And he, and I, he will even tell you that he's not a guru. He doesn't consider himself a self-help guru. He doesn't. Well, that's his Netflix special. <laughs> on Netflix, like I'm not a guru or something. I'm not a guru, right? I'm not yeah, a guru. Yeah. No one's your guru. No one's your guru. And anyone who's yeah, stay away from those people, right? Like anyone who says that they can fix you, stay away from them. Get away from them. They're liars. <laughs> I just said that on your podcast to the 800 to the you know 32 people that are listening. You know, but exactly. the 32. <laughs> thank you to the 32. Thank you, 32. 32. <laughs> please follow me. Follow me on Twitter. You know, buy my follow book. me back. No, please leave a review. 32. Leave me a good review on Amazon. That'd be great. <laughs> so uh, do something um, for me once in a while. Yeah, yeah. So you know that's that's what I mean when I say self help sucks. Isn't that? And does that mean we can never? You know, no. That we. You know, I said this in the book too, and it's not. You know, this thing. I'm not powerless over everything. It's not. You know, I love ice cream, and but I I can't eat ice cream because it does bad things to my belly. Right. So I. I don't eat it right. at home because my wife suffers if I have to eat it. So like, I'm not this like floating amoeba who is just waiting for things to be, you know, attack me or it's not like that. You know, self, self-help does work in some things. I do have a willpower to do, you know, like I decided I'm a cyclist. I told you that I like bicycle stuff, but I do it. It's like a thing. I'm a friend who's 70, almost 70 years old. And he does a hundred sit-ups and a hundred push-ups every day, every day. And he shamed me. He's like, you got to do these. If you don't do these setups and pushups, you're just going to get fat. And you're going to be right. weak when you're weak, when you're 70. And I'm like, all right, cool, dude. So I started doing setups and pushups every day. I'm not at a hundred pushups yet, but I'm doing setups every day, you know, like self-help, right? I did. I just said, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. And I do it. Right. And I still don't have six pack abs. <laughs> When you come out of this program or you're working this program and for the first time you approach someone that is actually available, how is it different? I'll tell you, I just, man, it was so, I started dating my wife and we'd been dating for six months. We didn't move. We didn't live together. We didn't like we were dating, you know, and after six months I showed up at a coffee shop with her stuff. Cause she, you know, she like. She had a son, a step, I have a stepson and she'd come over like every other week, not all week, but you know, she'd talk, hang out at my house or I'd hang out at her house and I was ready to break up with her. Oh, really? And, uh, well, I don't know what reason I came up with. It doesn't matter. Right. And I said, you know, oh, we got to break up. I can't, I can't do this. And she's like, there's nothing wrong. Like, where are you going? Like, what, why are you leaving? Like, what, what's up? And, uh, and I had this like sudden, just life changing moment where I was like, you're running away because things are good. Mm-hmm. You don't know how to handle it. And I just stopped and I said a little prayer or whatever. And, and I just stayed. And Whoa. so it was like that moment of one more time. I was like afraid I'm like, oh man, this, this, this lady's like showing up. She's doing, she's, she's really, you know, and make no, no, make no mistake. It's not like a Disney movie. It's not like, you know, like you still got to work. It's still, it's not like a Hallmark channel or whatever. But, right. uh, it's not like that. I mean, it's still work. 
you know, like, how do you act? Let's say you get everything you want. Mm-hmm. You have this list and I, and I don't mean your Mercedes. I don't mean your BMW or your, you know, you know million dollars or whatever. Like, let's say you have this fantasy person in your life, right? And he's got to have all these things, whatever, these qualities that you want, right? Not, not, and I'm not talking about looks because looks are, you know, he'll, he'll get fat or whatever, but these qualities and you finally get it and you, got, and you have the baby and you got the husband and you got the house and you, the brownstone or whatever it is, right? And you get all of it. Then what do you do? What do you do now? I got it all. I got everything I wanted. So what do I do? And uh, you just live. I think that's the idea. You just enjoy it. You just enjoy live it. and you enjoy it and you try to help people. I mean, that's the thing that the so that the so great about the 12-step movement is that its whole purpose, the whole purpose of that movement is to get a spiritual experience and show other people how you had that experience, right? Mm-hmm. To say, hey, and I'm not giving it to you. I'm not like, it's not me that's creating and it's not me that's like, I'm just showing you what I did. And you're going to maybe access some power beyond yourself that's going to do it for you. And I do that in a sense. Yeah, it's self, it's enlightened self-interest. It's I do it because it helps me, right? But it's it's a really cool thing because I find that when I'm not, when I'm focused on them and I'm focused on helping others, right? Then I'm not, thinking about what I don't have and what I'm not getting and how come this isn't looking the way I think it should. Maybe because you're actually present, like in the process of being present for others. Yeah, I think that's probably true. And that's the whole thing of like, be here now, right? Be here now. The power of now, be here now. Because I think this is amazing to think about the 12-step program in terms of not being able to overcome certain relationship patterns and feeling powerless to the choices we're making. I don't think people just even realize that part of uh, 12-step programs is with relationships. I always, you know, sex, what is it called? Sex addiction. Sex addiction, anonymous. Sex and love addicts, anonymous. Codependent. I went to one codependency. Like, for example, what would be the benefit to someone of saying like, hey, you know, there's other options than just going to therapy one-on-one and working on your relationship problems. How about trying a 12-step program? Is it because 12-step has part of the community too? That's how it's helpful and different? Yeah. I mean, I think again, I, I mean, I want to be careful how I say this and I, let me just hold on a second. I'm going to pause. Brene Brown started pausing on her podcast. And that means I can pause on my podcast. She hasn't asked me to be on her podcast yet, but come on, Brene, give me a call. Yeah, Brene. Um, <laughs> give me a call. I think we have a lot in common. <laughs> we can really do something for each other. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I say, and, and again, like not to be like, buy my book. If you have something that has brought your life to such a degree that you have no power to do anything about it and you are struggling so bad you know please go to a 12-step program work their program work their steps get a sponsor do the thing right please it's not for everybody because if you're really not if you don't really have something like that i mean i mean maybe a lot of people do but some people don't right i mean there's people that have drinking problems uh that are not alcoholics right i mean right. drug you I mean you have a drug problem uh, you know, if you're snorting meth every night, you probably have a drug problem, right? But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're, you know, uh, that you need to go to NA, right? Maybe you can come to the realization that you're like, wow, I seem to not be able to stop doing these drugs. I'm going to stop doing these drugs. 
I don't think that the 12-step program necessarily is for everyone, but I think what I do think and what my what my experience is, is that the 12-step spirituality of the 12 steps mm-hmm. is possible for anyone, mm-hmm. right? That you can have a spiritual life based on those 12 steps and that you can have a life that's based on those 12 steps. But that, you know, and just like the book, it's not a fluffy feel good, you know, like rah, 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 you know, kind of book. I mean, it does end up pretty, it does end up with some good, you know, theories of living, but it's not like a, Hey, it's work, right. It's work to do the, the 12 steps, right. It's work to actually look at ourselves and do an inventory and, and talk to someone about us and to consistently meditate and, you know, telling ourselves in the sense, right? I mean, that's, it's a lot of work. Lay it all out there. You're just raw all the time, you know, by confronting yourself and writing it all out even and thinking about confronting someone else with these realizations that you've had. And I'm not trying to confront anyone else, but I'm just trying to be like, no, but I'm making amends, making amends. Isn't that confronting someone? Yeah. I mean, you have to, you have to, yeah, it's not easy to go to someone and be like, Hey, I was wrong. For how I treated right. you. I was wrong right. for talking to you the way I did or, you know, stealing your wallet or whatever. <laughs> I mean, it was uh, right. wrong for me to have sex with your boyfriend. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> right. And they're like, you had sex with my boyfriend? Yeah, you- <laughs> I didn't actually. Yeah, I know. I know. Not this time, but, you know, anyway. <laughs> but you did steal the wallet. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was me. Yeah, but I'm not on this, you know, I'm not on this, uh, you know, a lot of people sometimes get on this quest to like, you know, I'm not trying to get people to be anything. Like, I'm not trying to get you, you know, if you, uh, yeah, if you're an alcoholic and you have a problem with alcohol, go to Alcoholics Anonymous. I mean, you know, like if you have a problem with drug, you know, go to NA, go to CA, go to CMA. Like my mission isn't to try to get people sober or clean and sober. Like that isn't like, that isn't my deal. Like that's not, I mean, there's people doing that. That's not me. I think if you uh, if you can do it and your life's good, like you know, man, do it, enjoy it. Um, mm-hmm. I just can't. I mean, I can, but I. It's a it's a Jerry Springer show. That's way that's before your time. I mean, it's not it's not it's fun to watch if you're in the audience, but <laughs> never when never when you're on stage. Right? I remember Jerry Springer. Or what's his name? Geraldo Rivera. He was real popular back in you know when I was a teenager and. Had a bunch of skinheads on his show, beat him up. <laughs> well, like, what about you with the bike accident? When you said that it was two pennies stacked on top of each other away from being paralyzed. Paraplegic, yeah. I mean, that. what a, what a change in my life because I remember sitting in the hospital and I have this neuropathy. You know what neuropathy? I mean, it's like electric shock going through my body constantly. Really? It just feels like I'm getting shocked all the time from the electricity and I'm in a neck brace and I just had this surgery where they removed the disc, fused my neck together and I'm in there and I'm on oxygen and, you know, probably Percocet, whatever. I don't know what they gave me. And the doctor told me this thing. And I remember having this feeling of, I know, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I was caught. Like I had this vision of these big hands Whoa. catching me on the ground, right? As I hit the ground and I hit, the, I mean, I broke my helmet in seven places. Like I hit the ground and drove home like, you know, a long way with a broken neck and shock. And I remember feeling that. And I had this thing of, 
this realization it's like I knew and felt and saw, you know, an invisible world right next to ours. I saw it, I felt it, and I knew it. And I made a decision that day in the hospital. And I said this, you know, like, whatever you are, whatever that means, I'm going to be with you. I will sit with you every day. I will be with you every day. And my life is your life. And I'm pretty much meditate. I don't miss a day of meditation anymore. I don't, I just meditate. I meditate every day. I just do it. And, you know, sometimes that means the toddlers crawling all over me and whatever, but it's just, I just do it. And, um, you know, today I kind of think maybe my vagus nerve got like, because that's like a, they tie the vagus nerve to your spirituality and stuff into a spiritual experiences. And I think that like, maybe that me hitting my, my head so hard, like did something to my vagus nerve and I had a spiritual experience in the hospital or it was real. Right. And I really felt that thing and that meditation that, that I don't have to believe anything. Right. I don't have to, this isn't about belief. It's not about what you believe. It's not about, you know, what you think God is or whether there's a God or not, Mm -hmm. right? It's about the action of a person like me. I don't know if you can tell I'm a little hyper (laughs) Adderall. Adderall would do really nice things for me, except I don't take Adderall. This is me sober, right? This is me not on Adderall. Um, (laughs) Setting aside my belief of being able to, a person like me who could not sit still, could not sit still, could not sit and definitely could not meditate by any means. Mm. And if you'd have told me, oh, you're going to meditate every day for 20 minutes. Well, it's 21 minutes right now, you know, for 21 minutes every day, no matter what, in the morning, like you're going to sit with that power and that you're going to do that for like, I mean, since 2009, since, since the bike accident. I mean, I haven't even missed five times since then. Wow. Right. And so I don't even remember the last time I didn't do it. There's times that I'm like, I got to get a plane or do something early. And I might, I might not do 21 minutes, but I'll do, you know, 10 or something. Cause I have to go, but I still do the 10. And, wow. um, and I mean, there's scientific research that's way bigger than smarter than me. And, you know, goes into all this stuff that this, that process changes your brain chemistry. Hmm. right it changes you so this is me calm after you know and of course i'm excited because i'm on the sting right it's not always like this but (laughs) 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 the a personality i'm turned on right now so like this (laughs) oh my god isn't it incredible though you wake up and you make this decision and you don't resist it for the first time like for all these years since 2009 and you haven't resisted that. You know, and I think a lot of people, they want it to feel a certain way or look a certain way or to, you know, have some experience while they're doing it. And I, I mean, it just hasn't, I mean, there, I said this too, is like, there's no such thing as good meditation or bad meditation. There's just doing it or not doing it. I mean, I'm not, res- I'm not responsible for the results and I want to be responsible for the results or think mm. that if I feel a certain way or that means it's working. Right, right. <laughs> I know it's working because I've been able to, you know, believe it or not, actually keep my mouth shut when um, for most of my life, I, I can't. Whoa. I just say, I just say whatever. And there's a lot of been a lot of consequences to that. Trust me. Or the inability to filter myself or to when, when it would better serve me just to be quiet that I got to tell everybody just what I'm thinking. Like, I, I mean, that, that has, that has, you know, 
change that is a, that has gotten better. <laughs> well, I thought it was interesting too about how you having a wife, you've taken that into account now. How does my no filter have an effect and could embarrass her? When you talked about the flirtation, I was like, fuck, I'm not, I'm not ready to give that up. And you're like, I have to look at even though flirtation feels good, I'm getting this attention. How could it humiliate or, you know, harm the person I'm with? Right. Yeah. And like having a thing of the primary focus is the unity of your relationship. Then do I make decisions that are going to disrupt the unity of that relationship? Right. And I wasn't, I mean, it had been great spiritual work had I had realized that on my own, right. That would have been awesome, but I didn't until she's told me, <laughs> right. There's the truth. Like until she said, you know what, this, that really hurts me. I thought it was innocent. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. But, but it wasn't no, because no. I'm doing it, you know, for that attention, right. I want attention. Right. So I'm trying to get attention from other people, you know, besides my wife. Right. And so, mm. and saying that it's innocent. Right. But it's not really innocent. And so now like, yeah, the prag again, you know, and the, it's like a thing like, okay, my principle is I don't flirt, you know, with women and cute women, you know, maybe old, you know, like if you're old, okay, fine. I'll flirt with you. Like <laughs> there's no chance of us ever, you know, but I don't do that. You know, and the difference between my wife and I, like, and, you know, cause I'm not this, like, even though I wrote this spiritual book and I'm like trying to be a spiritual person, I'm certainly selfish and inconsiderate. And it's that she wouldn't even think of flirting. She wouldn't even think of doing that with some guy, right? She wouldn't even, like, that wouldn't even occur to her, right? Yet I'm over here going, me, 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 give me, you know, like, where's my attention? Where's my this, you know? Uh, oh, I don't know. This is hard to, to hear. Yeah, it's but you're not there. Me. I mean, it's, you're not there. Yeah, but I've just, I've been seeing about being on dates and my personality. I think it's friendly and it's charismatic, but it can be seen as flirtatious. And I've seen kind of the effect that it has on guys. And well, I, think that, I guess the, the, you know, I would say then only flirt when you mean it. <laughs> don't flirt, you know, don't flirt when you don't mean it. Right. And you just realize like, oh, okay, I'm just, I want some attention. Right. Like my daughter will do that. Right. She's like, daddy, I want some attention. You're like, Oh, okay. Right. So knowing when you just want some attention. Right. <laughs> like, and then I think it's important too that that you give attention to. You know, if you're gonna flirt with others, make sure you're still flirting with the main person you're with. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you like the book. I hope that uh it helps you. I hope you can, you know, give it to someone or let someone else read it, it will help. I mean, because yeah, really absolutely I'll pass that's it really what it's about, right? Is that uh, whether or not I mean it's funny that my friend my friend wrote a book really good book actually and it's nothing like my book and he had said that you know the, he believes that it was directed to him also to write the book he says yeah i was told to write a book too but i didn't wasn't told i didn't wasn't told i was going to make a living off of it you know or that i was going to get rich or famous or you know like, was that part of like, what you were told no i was just that i had to write the book <laughs> i love that though that was so interesting too because it was like this idea of listening to the voice that says do this now do this. Yeah. Do this. And being able to, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't take credit for it for sure. What is your definition of freedom? I got to know. What does freedom mean to you? Well, what I'm looking for is contentment, right? I said that inner peace and contentment, freedom, you know, it's not being a slave to your ego, right? Not being a slave to yourself, right? Not being a slave to your demands for 
whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And that you can, a lot of us are looking, you know, happiness is fleeting. It's an emotion that changes and goes here or there, depending on your mood or what you eat. Uh, contentment is a much different thing. And contentment is just being okay with who you are, where you are right now, no matter what's happening mm-hmm. or what they're doing or not doing, right? That's that's what I want. Is that I want to just feel like I, I'm okay no matter what's going on. And uh, am I always there? No. I, I want to be though. And I, that's, you know, the byproduct of a spiritual life. The byproduct mm-hmm. of a spiritual life is inner peace and contentment. And hey, if there was ever a time for it that people might really realize is after a pandemic, maybe people would have seen that if I had had more of a spiritual practice, I would have been able to embrace a very unknown period in all of our lives with more grace. Yeah. Well, I mean, this whole time I've never thought, oh my God, what's going to, I'm just never, I haven't been afraid. I know it's like 10 o'clock. We've had our hour of power. I appreciate you. I appreciate you having me here. I hope that, uh, you know, it, it helps somebody and, uh, you know, Certainly buy no. the book self-help sucks or, you know, buy it and give it away. If you need it, I'll give it to you. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> Tell everyone where they can find you, like your website. If- you know, tonyblankenship.com is one way to find me. And there's a way to contact me there and a way to buy the book and a way to do all that. And um, yeah, so look it up, critique my website. Tell me what's wrong about it. I appreciate it. <laughs> Just feedback, please. Yeah, please give me some unsolicited feedback. I appreciate it. Um, hey, thank anyway, you so Chelsea, much for this. Thanks for everything. Thanks for having me. Good Absolutely. luck with your podcast thing. I really what? like you. You're you're a nice you're a nice person. Oh, I appreciate that. Keep up the good work. I appreciate that, and thank you for all the wisdom. Okay. <laughs> and thank you for the call outs. I was assuming things. What? When? About what? Oh, that. No, oh, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> And then I told on myself. Yeah, so it's all good. If this episode resonated with you, it would mean the absolute world if you could pass it on and let other people know about it. How you can support this podcast is really just sharing it, telling people about it. If you know someone that's hurting in their heart, tell them about Thank You Heartbreak. And if you want to be a guest on Thank You Heartbreak, reach out to me. You can find me on Instagram at Thank You Heartbreak, or you can email me directly at Chelsea, C-H-E-L-S-E-A, at BreakUpward, B-R-E-A-K-U-P-W-A-R-D, Com. And if you're interested in one-on-one coaching sessions, you can visit my website, breakupward.com slash shop, where you can check out directly from my site. It's a super, 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 super simple process. Of course, I will answer any of your questions before you book. And again, you can email me at chelsea at breakupward.com. There's many different coaching options. And I would love to show up for you as you begin to show up in more wise and clarifying and secure ways for yourself. Thanks for listening, everyone.